Hi, my name is Adam Bergman, and today I'm going to discuss the three most common mistakes when using a self-directed IRA to buy real estate. I think this is a really important topic, a topic I uh, discuss a lot with clients uh, because these mistakes need to be uh, avoided, and unfortunately, um, sometimes they're not. So I wanted to focus on the three most common mistakes that people uh, seem to uh, get tangled up in and are totally avoidable and can help protect your retirement money uh, from uh, IRS scrutiny. The first is the prohibited transaction rules. So the prohibited transaction rules, which are generally found under Internal Revenue Code Section 4975, are really there to make sure that you're not using your IRA funds for any personal purpose. So the, the crux behind these rules is that the IRA funds should be used for investment purposes that solely benefit your IRA and not you personally. So the IRS is saying that if you need to use your IRA funds in a way that personally benefits you, i.e. to pay a loan off, to pay for your kid's education, go on vacation, no problem. Take a distribution, pay the tax. If you're under 59 and a half, pay the 10% penalty. Take as much or as little as you want, but, but pay the tax and respect the rules. What the IRS does not want is people to use their retirement money in a way that benefits them directly or indirectly personally without paying that tax. That distribution tax is a very uh, effective way for the, the Treasury to generate uh, tax revenue, so they need to protect those rules. So when it comes to buying real estate with a self-directed IRA, generally there's two ways to do it. There's the custodian approach where you can get a full-service IRA custodian to buy the real estate uh, on behalf of the IRA. Uh, that custodian will sign all checks um, and, and is responsible for executing all documents um, with respect to the real estate. There's also the checkbook control structure, which involves the use of an LLC that is wholly owned by the IRA, managed generally by the IRA owner, and the funds uh, go from one IRA custodian to another IRA custodian. That new IRA custodian then sends the money to an LLC bank account in the name of the new LLC. The LLC operating agreement will have the IRA holder as the manager of the LLC, and the real estate's purchased in the name of the LLC, uh, titles in the name of the LLC, and all income and gains associated with that real estate are generated um, and allocated to the LLC. So when it comes to prohibited transaction rules, the IRS is, is, is very concerned and, and wants to make sure that none of the investments will directly or indirectly personally benefit you. So that means that you cannot use your IRA in any way that uh, directly or indirectly personally benefits you or a disqualified person. And a disqualified person is defined as you or any of your lineal descendants, parents, children, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, or any entity uh, controlled by such people. So you can't buy a house and live in it. You can't give money to your kids through your IRA. You can't buy a house and have your parents live in it. Um, those are the, are, are the common uh, questions I get regarding prohibited transaction rules. But under 4975C1, it lists a few. Under C1A, it talks about the sale of exchange or leasing of any property between an IRA and a disqualified person. 4975C1B talks about the lending of money or extension of credit between a plan and a disqualified person. So your IRA can get a credit card because you would have to personally guarantee it. Debit card could work, but a credit card would not. Just like you cannot use your IRA as collateral for a personal loan. Uh, C does not allow you to furnish goods or services by a disqualified person to a plan. So if you're buying a, a, a house 
you as the IRA holder, you can't fix the roof or you can't serve as a real estate agent. Um, UK 4975 C1D talks about the prohibition of the transfer uh, or use for the benefit of the disqualified person of any of the income or assets of the IRA. So you can't transfer money from your IRA to your business because it's short of cash. Uh, and then the, the 4975 C1ENF talks about conflict of interest, uh, prohibited transactions where, for example, um, the company you work for is in, in need of money and you use your IRA to help that company, which in turn uh, preserves your job. Those are the, the, the kinds of transactions the IRS wants you to avoid because it's, it's deemed to directly or indirectly personally benefit you. And the IRS's position is that, hey, if it's going to personally, directly or indirectly benefit you, take a distribution, pay the tax, penalty if you're under 59 and a half, play by the rules because we're looking for that revenue. Remember, if it's a pre-tax IRA, the IRS gave you a tax deduction when you made that contribution. So they're expecting the tax revenue to come back down the road. Their concept and purpose was, hey, we're going to incentivize you to save. Hopefully your money is going to grow tax deferred. We took a hit because we let you take a tax deduction on your tax return when you made the contribution. But we're hoping ultimately when you take that distribution, you're going to pay us a lot of tax, and we're going to ultimately uh, generate a good amount of uh, tax revenues. So the prohibitive transaction rules are really important. Uh, talk to your tax advisors. What I always tell my clients is if the transaction will in any way directly or indirectly personally benefit you. Now, when I say personally, I don't mean if your IRA buys Apple stock and it goes up. Some people say, well, I'm personally benefiting. Well, the difference is you're not personally benefiting because all that money is going into your IRA. In order for you to personally benefit and take all that IRA Apple stock and, and use it, you'd have to take a distribution, and then the IRA custodian will cut you a check, and then you can use those funds to uh, go on vacation, for example. Whereas if you took your IRA and, wrote, and you had the custodian write you a check and you took that money to pay for your skills, school, uh, kids' school tuition, that's clearly a personal benefit. So there's a distinction between your IRA growing in value, which is allowed. It's not a prohibitive transaction. And you just taking your IRA money to pay for your own expenses uh, without taking that distribution. That is a personal benefit. So I, I, what I, I like to, to say is that pretend the IRS agent is knocking on your door and saying, hey, Joe, um, I understand you did X, Y, and Z transaction. Prove to me, because the onus is always on you as a taxpayer, Prove to me that this transaction did not directly or indirectly personally benefit you. If you can't, don't do it. Uh, there's a, a pretty interesting case called Rollins v. Commissioner. I use this case a lot as an example. It's a 2008 tax court case. This gentleman, Mr. Rollins, is an accountant. He owned a bunch of businesses. One of the businesses, he was less than a 10% shareholder. Uh, he wasn't an employee, just a, a director. company needed money. He had a 401k with his accounting firm. He then had his 401k lend money at prevailing interest rates, arm's length, to, his, to this company. And the IRS got wind of it and argued prohibitive transaction and went all the way to tax court. And ultimately, the, the court ruled for the IRS and said because Mr. Rollins couldn't prove that that loan did not personally benefit him, which clearly it did because if that loan wasn't made, his investment in that company may have been uh, lost. So clearly – the loan from his 401k to the company that he was involved in as an owner and a director indirectly or 
and, and in some cases directly benefited him personally. And that's why he lost the case. So that's a really interesting case and something I think people should keep in mind when uh, looking at transactions, especially in real estate. So the first mistake is beware of the prohibitive transaction rules. The second is beware of what's called unrelated business taxable income, UBIT, UBTI. This is something that a lot of people don't know, don't know anything about, and get trapped in it. Um, either they're misinformed, misadvised, or simply not advised. Um, unfortunately, it's it's just something that's that's just not mainstream enough. And when it comes to IRAs, buying real estate, uh, or doing specific types of investments, this unrelated business taxable income could pop up. So what is this UBTI or UBIT? How come I never heard of it? Well, most investors that have IRAs, and there's about 47 million IRAs out there, generally generate passive categories of income, i.e. interest from a bond, dividends from a stock, capital gains from sale of stock, royalties, or rental income if they're doing real estate. That generally covers about 95% of America. So if you're just buying mutual funds or buying stock, bonds with your IRA, this UBTI you probably never heard of and you probably never have to deal with it. There's three main ways this UBTI is triggered, and it's, these are basically tax rules. They're found in Section 512, 513, 514 in the Internal Revenue Code. Those are the main sections. They really initially were set up for um, to prevent charities like the Red Cross from engaging in active trade or business without paying tax. So they were worried that companies were going to set up charities and then run their business through the charities and never pay tax. So they worried, for example, McDonald's, set up a charity and then run their the restaurant operations through the charity and, and never pay tax and escape tax. So they set up these rules that basically said, hey, if you're if you're a, a charity and, and when IRAs were created in the 70s, since they're treated as 501 trusts, they fall into the same categories as charities. If a charity or retirement account does three things that looks more like a business than a passive investment, we're going to treat it as a business and tax it. Now, the Tax rates that are used are the trust tax rates, which are higher than the individual tax rates and the corporate tax rates and are, are very steep gradual uh, rates. So meaning you get to the top bracket much quicker than at your personal or corporate tax rates. So it's, it's a pretty steep tax rate. Three ways that the UBIT or UBTI is triggered. Number one, if you use margin to buy stock. So you basically borrow money to buy stock from your financial uh, uh, institution. Number two, you use a non-recourse loan to buy real estate. And again, the loan always has to be non-recourse because if you used a recourse loan, which is a personal guarantee, that triggers a prohibited transaction. Remember going back to our discussion on the prohibited transaction rules, you can't use a IRA as collateral and you cannot personally guarantee an obligation of your IRA. So a non-recourse loan is a loan you don't personally guarantee. But a non-recourse loan does trigger UBTI. Margin triggers UBTI. Non-recourse loan is number two. And number three is if you use your IRA to engage in an active trader business, so you invest in a friend's business, a non-disqualified person's business. Again, it, can have, it cannot be a disqualified person's business because that triggers the prohibitive transaction rules. you got bigger problems than UBTI because you just violated the prohibitive transaction rules, which will disqualify your IRA as of January 1, 
tax it, penalties up to 100%, very serious. So it's very important, obviously, that's why I'm mentioning the prohibited transaction mistake, penalties are huge. Second, the UBTI, it's triggered in three ways, margin, non-recourse loan, and if you invested in a non-disqualified person's business through a pass-through entity like an LLC or partnership. Now, you're, you, you might say, well, I buy Apple stock or IBM or Google or Ford. That's a business. Why doesn't it trigger UBTI? It's a great question. 99.9% of all public companies are C-corporations. A C-corporation is an entity separate from its shareholders. Think of it as like a big box. And all that income gets trapped in that box, so it doesn't actually flow through the shareholder, meaning the corporation pays the tax. And then dividends are issued to the shareholders of any retained earnings. So the UBTI doesn't apply for a C-corp because everything, all the income is trapped at the C-corp level. If you look at an LLC or a partnership, think of that as a funnel. Everything kind of funnels to the shareholder or the members. The entity, the partnership or the LLC doesn't pay tax. Only the owners do. So that is why when you use an IRA to invest in an LLC or partnership that's engaged in an active trader business, like a restaurant or a store, consulting business, manufacturing business, internet business, you're going to trigger this UBTI tax. So the three ways, again, is margin, non-recourse loan and buy real estate, and if you invest using your IRA in a non-disqualified business that's run through an LLC or partnership. Again, a C corporation, got nothing to worry about. If you buy Apple stock, you're not going to get hit with UBTI. If you generate rental income, you're not going to get hit with UBTI. Generate royalty income, you're not going to get hit. Generate dividends, you're not going to get hit. If you generate interest, you're not going to get hit. Only going to get hit if, with the UBTI if you use margin, non-recourse loan, and you invest in an active trader business run by a disqual non-disqualified person that's held or run through an LLC or partnership. The UBTI tax goes up to the trust tax rates, which would be close to 40%. Um, the, when it comes to margin and non-recourse loan, the tax is, is filed on a Form 990-T, the same if you invest in an active trader business held through an LLC or partnership. There's a formula that you need to go through to determine the tax. But for non-recourse loan and margin, it's basically a percentage of the debt to equity used. So if you put $50,000 down and borrow $50,000, it's a 50-50 debt to equity. If you have $10,000 of uh, net profits, 50% of that or $5,000 would be subject to this UBTI tax, which can go, get up to 40% approximately. So again, three things. Um, when, when three investments that can trigger the UBTI, margin, non-recourse loan, or active in a trader business investment through an LLC or partnership. Private transactions, UBTI, two of the common mistakes. The third really only applies to checkbook control, self-directed uh, IRA LLCs, and that's the LLC filing requirements. Because you're gonna have an LLC, you may have annual report filing requirements. For example, California has a franchise return, Texas has a, a franchise return, uh, a lot of states like Florida have annual reports. If you use a single-member LLC, you're, you're not going to file a federal income tax return because the LLC will be treated as a disregarded entity for tax purposes. So no tax return, generally no state income tax return. However, if your LLC is owned by two or more IRAs, it's treated as a partnership for tax purposes. IRS Form 1065 needs to be filed by April 15th. Um, also, there could be uh, annual report fees, franchise report fees, or just reports due. 
So you got to be aware of, of what state your LLC is in. If it's a partnership, you got to deal with the 1065 due April 15th. No tax would be due, but you still got to file the return. States will file will follow the federal rules, and if you have a multiple member LLC, two or more IRAs, you'll likely also have to file a state return. Um, some states like California has an $800 minimum franchise fee. Um, states like Florida have annual report fees, so you got to be aware of that. The, the, the tax professionals you work with should should be able to advise you on that. Uh, but it's clear: a single member LLC, no tax return. Partnership, yes, Form 1065, also state return. And then you should look to your state to see if there's an additional annual report fee or, or any type of um, franchise fee or franchise returns. So the three most common mistakes, just to summarize and recap, prohibitive transactions, Term Revenue Code Section 4975, beware. If you have questions, talk to your tax advisors, tax professionals, ask questions. Think about this. If the transaction in any way directly or indirectly personally benefits you, don't do it. Always imagine an IRS agent knocks on your door. If you can't prove to this IRS agent that you're not directly or indirectly personally benefiting, don't do it. Second common mistakes, UBTI, unrelated business taxable income, UBIT, triggered three ways generally, using margin, non-recourse loan to buy real estate, and you invest in an active trader business that is held through an LLC or partnership. And the third common mistake with the checkbook control LLC is if you're a partnership, two or more IRAs own the LLC. Beware of the Form 1065, partnership return, federal and state, due April 15th. Also make sure you comply with state uh, LLC annual report fees, returns, franchise returns. Um, just got to be aware. Talk to your tax professionals. Make sure you're working with facilitation firms that can provide these services. Um, I hope you found this podcast informative and, and, and quite interesting. Uh, I know it's really important, and if you have a self-directed IRA, it's certainly worth the listen. Um, Adam Bergman, uh, IRA Financial Group, one of the tax partners. I'm reachable uh, always at Adam, A-D-A-M-B, at IRAfinancialgroup.com, A-D-A-M-B as in boy, at IRAfinancialgroup.com. Call me, 800-472-0646, extension 12. Check us out, www.irafinancialgroup.com. Tons of information, podcasts, free educational information, info kits on self-directed IRAs and how to avoid uh, getting your IRA into trouble with the IRS. Uh, Adam Bergman, IRA Financial Group, um, thanks for listening and uh, until next time.